everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I have the special privilege of talking to my friend Shelly McKay and Shelly owns Cannabis Works in Santa Ana. Hi, Shelly. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to make sure I've got this right. Uh, your Instagram is at kworks.oc for the business. Correct. Correct. And then your personal, which I think is actually more important because you are such a guru for all things cannabis. And I've had so many good conversations with you. You're almost like a doctor for it, it feels like, mm-hmm. is at cannabis.shelly. And cannabis is spelled as a K. So it's K A N N I B U S dot Shelly with two L's. Correct? K A N N A B I S dot Shelly. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Cool. And I'll put that, I'll also put a link in that uh, so people can get a hold of you. Well, hi, friend. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good. good. So I'm so excited going over uh, going over this interview this morning with Thomas. And we were talking about, ooh, if we could, you know, if you can ask a, a, you know, a person who does this, any question, what would you ask? And so we came up with our list. And I guess the first thing that I was really interested was, like, how did you and your husband initially become interested in um, owning this kind of business? So uh, this, it dates back quite a few years um, when a friend was diagnosed with stage four esophageal cancer. And um, he took very, um, instead, he, he obviously, you know, the doctor had given him just a couple months to live and mm-hmm. he was in extreme pain. And so he did um, actually go through chemo, but in conjunction with chemo, he was taking um, a very um, concentrated oil by the name of Rick Simpson oil. So it's a very concentrated um, cannabis oil. Mm -hmm. And he was taking it every day. And not only did I see his quality of life improve, I mean, he did a couple of off-road races during this time. Oh, wow. Um, But I I saw, you know, his life was definitely, um, you know, he had benefit from cannabis where it was helping with his appetite or sleep or pain. Mm. Um, so when I saw the benefits of how it, it helped, um, my friend Eddie, I knew there was something to it. And so then I, um, likewise in my forties, I had been going through some medical issues, uh, had a five orthopedic surgeries in four years and it was, it was pretty major. And, and I was on this, like, pharmaceutical, um, you know, pill, I like to call it the hamster wheel where you're just, Mm. it's not, it's not like you're, you're getting, you know, it's helping maybe with the pain, but you know, it was like, you'd go from anti-inflammatory to maybe a cortisone injection and then surgery and then pain pills. And it was just like this over and over for me. Mm -hmm. And so I was in extreme amount of pain. So when I started using oils after I saw the benefit, um, of these oils through my friend, Eddie, um, I was able to replace a lot of my over the counter meds and also pharmaceutical medications. With now I worked for a company, um, in Northern California and we sold, um, ratioed cannabis oil, um, directly under prop 215 that were referred by doctors. Um, you know, a lot of different various cancers and, um, some pretty serious health conditions. And mm-hmm. so, when I also had seen the benefit of these oils that we were selling, you know, we knew um, we entered the lottery. Santa Ana had a lottery for a dispensary. So with other partners, we entered this uh, lottery and 
were able to open up a dispensary. It took us a bit of time to get it open, but, um, you know, we knew when we opened the dispensary, we wanted to see it more as a wellness-based um, type dispensary. We had a medicinal license, and then through Prop 64, we ended up getting a recreational license. But, you know, we know that, um, you know, we see this plant as medicine. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's, you know, we knew just various experiences I had with my friend Eddie, with my own health, with the other company I'd worked for. Um, mm-hmm. That's why we wanted to, you know, go ahead and continue that model here at the store. So, okay, well, then that leads me to this question. What what do you feel like your clientele is like? Like what percentage are elderly? What percentage of people are sick? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's a great question. Uh, we, I would say the largest growing demographic that we see um, happens to be the senior population. Mm-hmm. Um, so much so that we have hired um, someone, we have someone on staff as our senior director um, of outreach where she works primarily with seniors. You know, we started delivery service. So um, a lot of times it's, you know, it's this population that's not only curious, but they've had experience with cannabis in the past. And now they're curious again, because quite frankly, you know, they're on so many different medications that they're looking for just a different option. Mm -hmm. So we work with various like clinics and doctors that will refer um, uh, different seniors to us that, you know, we have different oils or topicals or, you know, things that can help with either pain or sleep or appetite. There's a lot of different reasons we're seeing. But um, I would say that is a, a very large demographic um, that hit, that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, our top seller in the shop is is flour. That's what we call the cannabis bud that you would smoke. Uh, we like to try to destigmatize the plant because it has been stigmatized for all these years. So even calling it marijuana, you know, we look at that as like a slang term for it. And we try to get around it by calling it cannabis or, um, you know, you, you, we just want to change the narrative, you know. Mm-hmm. So, But I would say like, you know, our top seller in, the, in our dispensary is definitely flour. So mm-hmm. that usually reflects that you've got a large recreational base that's coming in to buy um, cannabis. But um, we definitely see most cannabis usage as medicinal. So, okay, that, that's, a, that's a great segue into this. Okay, so when I was a kid, and you and I are about the same age, I'm 48. How old are you? I'm going to be 52 in a week. All right. So we're in that same age range. And when Mm -hmm. I was raised during that whole Reagan era, it was um, drugs are bad for you. Yep. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Just say no. The whole nine yards. And and I know because I experimented in college that some drugs are really bad for you, like acid, which was probably – I I think I tried acid prior to trying uh, trying cannabis, to be honest with you. So. I am wondering, and I am curious, how did we go down that whole uh, cannabis has a bad rap thing? How do you think that happened? Because I also grew up in a family of functioning alcoholics. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather and my grandmother, who um, I spent time with at at least every weekend, if not most days, both had, you know, a regular daily drinking habit. And I saw how that kind of put my grandmother to sleep early, how that affected Mm -hmm. their health, et cetera. Wonderful people, lovely people, good people, but 
you know, abusers of alcohol, I feel like as an adult. And I just wonder how we got into a situation where alcohol is okay. Daily use of alcohol is okay. But, uh, cannabis was, you know, like that's going to put you in an early grave. Right. You know, this, this goes back to, and I don't know how many people realize this, but excuse me. Um, cannabis was used in, um, U.S. Pharmacopoeia back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, it entered dispensatory back in you know 1854, and it wasn't until the Marijuana Tax Act that it was taken out of um, Pharmacopoeia. But you know there were extracts that were made for many years. It was one of the top prescribed medications, and then came you know the synthetic and pharmaceutical. And um, so cannabis is it's a botanical drug. You've got so many different compounds in the plant. And I think that at the time, you know, doctors were moving towards the more, the more modern look into the synthetics. It's one compound, you know, you can't say it's like a hundred different things and you don't know what's working, but you know, it was, it was prescribed for many, many years. And um, when the marrow, so alcohol prohibition, it was from 1920 to 1933. The Marijuana Tax Act was eventually passed in 1937. So, you know, it was it was also racially motivated um, behind uh, cannabis and why it was also made illegal. Um, Harry Anslinger, who was appointed the he was the first um, uh, federal bureau of narcotics. Um, he was appointed in the 1930, and so he definitely went, started uh, vilifying the the plant. And as you know, you know it was like the reefer madness era where you know it was smoking this was going to cause, you know, all kinds of craziness. And so even when they were having the hearings um, for the the tax act to be passed, um, the American Medical Association basically um, said that they saw medicinal value to this plant and they, 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 they think that they thought that, you know, it should have been left medical profession and the, and the pharmacist to, um, prescribe the drugs they saw fit and the objections were ignored. It was passed and it was highly taxed um, and it made it actually very unaffordable. So then it was vilified for so many years. And then in 1970, it was put under the criminal, um, I'm sorry, the the Controlled Substances Act by um, Nixon. And once again, there was a hearing and the, um, the results of whether or not this was, you know, a plant to be vilified or whether it was seen as medicine was ignored again and it entered the Controlled Substances Act and it still remains now as a Schedule One controlled narcotic, which means it has high potential for abuse and no medicinal value. (laughs) Now, which is super crazy because, you know, they've known for many, many years that not only... um, can it help with seizure control? But it, it is very helpful for, um, you know, the even the reason why we had passed uh, medicinal use of cannabis in 1996 in California was because it was being used widely for AIDS patients, and it helped with, um, you know, the wasting away and lack of appetite and pain and depression. It was helpful for so many reasons, and so that's why it was passed in California the Compassionate Use Act, why we brought in medicinal cannabis. And, and then also, um, there was a patent that was awarded to the government in 2003 
uh, patent number 66305.07, basically it stated that it, uh, the cannabinoids, which is the compound in cannabis, are seen as not only neuroprotectant, but an antioxidant and can be helpful um, in, in, in um, neurological issues such as Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and ischemic insults from strokes. So it even states that in the body of the patent back in 2003. So here we are 17 years later, and yes, it's legal in some states, you know, recreationally or medically, but federally, it's still a controlled, you know, it's, it's a controlled schedule one substance, which also prevents the uh, research needed. So it's, um, mm. you know, it's just a matter of time. You've got doctors and scientists that have been doing studies out there, but here in the United States, it's, it's still seen as a schedule one. So we need to deschedule the plant. Man, that's so interesting. You know a lot about this stuff. You know your shit, girl. <laughs> I get goosebumps listening to you rattle off all this stuff because I'm like, uh, you're so passionate about it. And, I am. Um, I'm glad I got the chance to talk to you about it. So then what is your opinion on um, why, like, what is the reason that, what's the fucking holdup? <laughs> I guess what is my question. Whole... Because if, why, why are we sitting here if it's going to help people? You know, why are we having these antiquated views about it? You know, I, that, that, that is such a, it's, it's, you could answer that question so many ways. Mm -hmm. You know, you could say that um, the pharmaceutical industry is very interested in, in these cannabinoids. So are mm -hmm. they just buying time before they can develop more patents for the, for medicine? You know, okay. it. It, it's tough, and we want to see that the, the plant stays in the dispensary and that it doesn't get taken into pharmaceuticals. I mean, they already are developing medications derived from the cannabis plant. The mm -hmm. first one that they passed, Epidiolex, which is um, an isolated CBD for seizure control for children, and mm -hmm. it is a very, very expensive medication. I mean, it's like $35,000 if a child needed it for a year versus, you know, if you come to a dispensary with a CBD-rich product and a botanical tincture, it's going to cost a fraction of that, like maybe a couple thousand dollars per year for mm. seizure control. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you've heard the story of, of, of Charlotte Figgy, um, but she was helped by the Stanley Brothers in the state of Colorado with, um, they, they grew a, a strain called Charlotte's Web, and it um, tremendously knocked down the amount of seizures that Charlotte suffered every day. So there is something to these cannabinoids. Um, you know, the holdup, it's just, who knows? It's bureaucratic reasons. It's, it's mm -hmm. political. There, there are a lot of, um, I would encourage you to vote. I would encourage anyone to vote and understand, like, who our representatives are and what they are what their votes are in cannabis, you know, uh, we've got the more act that's going to be going through um, the Senate next month. And that is to the more act. So the issue we face as a dispensary is the fact that because it's a schedule one, we do not, we, we can't go into just any bank and open up an account. It's um, banks do because they're federally insured. Uh, mm -hmm. There's so we've had, you know, different accounts where you know, might get shut down within a year or so. 
Um, so the MORE Act hopes to um, not only um, change the issue surrounding banking, but it will protect patients in the states that have adult and medical use. Uh, it's going to reduce barriers and increase the opportunities for research and medical advances. And then also it's going to, re it's, we're hoping for, to reduce the public harms of criminalization to, for reparation and also, you know, um, give back to the people that have been most harmed by the war on drugs, which are people of color. And mm -hmm. we need to definitely, and I strongly feel um, that no matter what state you're in, if you are making money off of cannabis, we need to free every last prisoner that has been jailed just for a minor offense, you know, a nonviolent cannabis crime. They should not be sitting in cells, you know, all across the United States while people are making money off their sacrifice years ago. So what you're saying is you feel like when you said reparations, are you talking about like money that would help get these people out of jail or what are you talking about? Yeah, not not only get them out of jail, but expungement, you know, clemency, get them back to work, um, mm -hmm. you know, and that they're as far as like in the in the state of California, um, uh, there are. Uh, there are organizations that we actually um, collect money for to donate. It's called, one is called Last Prisoner Project. And so they are looking to not only help expunge the records, because, you know, if you have a felony on your record from a cannabis yeah. offense, that is going to limit you in life. And so yeah. not only to get prisoners out of jail that are serving nonviolent cannabis crimes, but also expungement clear because mm -hmm. that affects the their voting rights that affects Finally. how they can it affects you know, whether they, they can, can get a, around yeah whether they can get job. a loan you know it affects mm -hmm. a lot of things mm -hmm. man what a good point and you know it's so interesting because i never i thought i've thought about this a lot but i never would have thought about how now that you guys are and there's other people like you guys that are making a living off of doing this how great it would be to be able to help people who have been so affected by the war on drugs right. because it, you know, they are really victims of it. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. And, so we def you, go, go ahead. ahead. Well, and I was, um, you know, also going to say that, you know, I, we, we were probably going to talk about this later, but you know, I'm all about safe access for cannabis too. So by that, I mean, as voters, we agreed to uh, that we wanted cannabis to be legal in the state of California, not only medicinally, but on the um, you know adult use basis also. So mm -hmm. um, the the issue that I have with um, you know the state has you know the city has to decide whether or not they're going to allow for cannabis in their city. So it's mm -hmm. up to you know, municipalities. There's 482 um, in the state of California, and only 20% of those have agreed to ha allow for cannabis of some sort, whether it's cultivation, manufacturing, delivery, or retail. And so in Orange County, the only city that has allowed for it is um, Santa Ana. 
So mm-hmm. any other dispensary that you might think you're going into that's legal is not. The only legal shops are, are in Santa Ana. Mm-hmm. So um, when I talk about safe access, you know, all up and down the state, we need more access to legal tested cannabis. Mm-hmm. And um, the other barrier is the fact that, you know, the taxing is so, so astronomical. And, uh, you know, it's right, right now in, the, um, in Santa Ana, it's 31%. And you go out to somewhere like you, uh, Palm Desert where they have dispensaries, it's up to 37%. That, to me, is not safe and affordable access for cannabis. So mm-hmm. you're now you're, you're driving the market to go to these, um, you know, non-licensed or um, traditional Regulated. stores that have existed that mm-hmm. are not considered legal. And even the, the products in those stores are different than what mm-hmm. we would have here because we have to, it's a seed to sale tracking. We have to have the um, testing sheets for any product we bring in store. It has to be tracked back to the plant where it was grown. So without, um, you know, if we're, if our taxing here in the legal market is kind of forcing, you know, to the, to the non-licensed shops, you're not even getting the same clean tested products. I mean, Mm -hmm. here we have to test against like 66 pesticides, aflatoxin, microbials, you know, mold, content. There's so many things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that, that's one thing that I think needs to change as well. You know, we need to start lowering taxes uh, so that we can provide more access to people that can't afford it otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so interesting. It's like a big circle. It sure is. <laughs> you know, overtaxed, then people mm-hmm. can't get it. You know, yep. it's very interesting. Right. So how, how do you guys process your I mean, I owned a business and I know we had mm-hmm. the whole credit card and the fees mm-hmm. and all that. How do you guys do your processing? Uh, so we're cash only. That's okay. how we do it. And um, yeah, it was kind of interesting when COVID started because all of a sudden we couldn't get more than a roll of each coin. Mm. Coin shortage. So now we are just faced with the decision where we said, okay, we're just going to roll everything down to the nearest dollar we can't even get enough coin to sustain our mm-hmm. daily activity. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, we're, we're cash only for now. You know, it, 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 it is challenging. I mean, there have been payment processors in the, in the past that have, you know, you, you could do like load a gift card sort of thing and then use it for that purchase. But le- it's the legality issue of it because mm-hmm. it's a schedule one. So that's why we're, we're a cash only business right now. Interesting. And so you mentioned COVID. How has that affected things? Do you feel like you've seen an increase in business or no yeah. effect? No, we definitely have seen an increase in business. So um, yeah, when COVID um, back in March, we were, when we were deemed essential, that was just, it was a huge, um, not only were we grateful to remain open to service like our clients and our patients that rely on this cannabis as medicine, so when when we were deemed essential by the governor, you know, that was a huge bonus for us because we have been stigmatized for so long or cannabis has been stigmatized for so long that when they called out and said, you know, we deem it essential, we see it as medicine for so many people, that was a huge, huge um, uh, 
you know, push in our direction for cannabis, you know, so we were super grateful to remain open. And then Mm -hmm. we, we saw a steady increase in sales. So, you know, throughout, it's been interesting what we've seen, you know, we've seen people come in for help with anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. or pain or sleep. People are not sleeping right now. They've got, there's a lot of anxiety out there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and then also like uh, two, three months go by during COVID and then we've got people showing up saying, Hey, you know, I'd really like to stop drinking so much. Uh, what would you suggest similar to like a glass of wine? You know, so we've got people coming in that are interested in just kind of switching substances because they're home mm-hmm. drinking too much during this. But, you know, it's interesting because COVID, I know for me, has been a huge push of, uh, I'd like to say personal growth, but definitely realizing how much growth I need. And so I bet you there's a lot of people out there that are saying, you know, hey, I'm relying to have, you know, too much on other substances, whether it's food or porn or whatever mm-hmm. the deal is that is your comforting mechanism, online shopping. It could be a lot of different things. But with so much time on your hands, I have definitely felt like I really need to, like, pay attention and steer my ship, you know. Yeah. Just getting back to COVID. So when we uh, remain, we are curbside. And we've mm-hmm. remained curbside this whole time just to protect the safety, you know, of our, not only our staff, but of clients. And mm-hmm. so we, it, it, it changed our flow too. And I will say that our connections are made with um, our customers on the floor. So we've definitely missed that interaction and that yeah. one-on-one attention you can give mm-hmm. to someone, you know, and um, the experience too come in and you you people love to smell flower and they want to see what they're buying and so now because of covid like we can't even show samples or have mm. you smell which you know it's it's changed the experience so Interesting, hopefully yeah. you know that'll turn into something else in the future but for right now it's hands off and that is that's just it that is kind of a a, a bummer you know as far as like how it's changed our experience not only with our our customers, but like that flower experience. Yeah. And um, so, but we've remained curbside, although we just now we're opening the store um, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays from 10 to 12 for, we, we're calling it our senior hour. So Aww. we have, um, yeah. So we just want to welcome seniors back that need that ex- curated experience and, you know, it's just maybe a little bit more help and understanding what they're buying. Um, mm-hmm. so that's what we've just started this week. Super excited to work with, um, customers coming in on the floor again. Yeah. I know I brought my dad out and, yeah. um, your, your build out. And I don't know if all shops are like this, but your build out. I mean, I told my dad, I'm like, this is like, this could have been one of my gorgeous salons. I mean, it's just gorgeous inside and the flow is super nice Oh, thank and you. the lighting is great. And we did have such a good I mean, I think we're probably in there half an hour, 45 minutes, just looking and smelling and learning. And um, all of your staff was so just like super knowledgeable and friendly. And I had to curate that sort of experience for maybe Mm -hmm. a first time um, buyer that was coming into a dispensary. And, um, you know, because back in the day under Prop 215, a lot of these collectives um, were kind of like what you felt like, you know, like a fly by night operation. You'd you'd have Mm -hmm. to go from one door buzz in to another security door and stand there and wait mm-hmm. and then get buzzed in. And so we, we didn't want that. We wanted to have this experience where it's open and you have the time to just, 
you know, look at product and ask the questions. And, and, you know, we didn't want to put you in this like line, this queue where you just wait Mm -hmm. and you get to the front and you say, oh, I want this, this, and this, because you might not even know, you don't even know what's, what's on the shelf. And so we, um, we want to take that time with you and have you have that comfort level to where, um, you know what you're buying and you know what it's used for. You don't feel pressured and, you know, and just walk away with something you, you didn't mm-hmm. want when you came in. Yeah. We, we went to one in San Francisco some time back and um, we definitely had that experience of like the security guard and you're being yeah. buzzed in and it was just kind of like weird and a little dirty. And I was like, yeah. it's not, not my idea of a good time, but I felt like going into yours was like more of like a combination of um, sort of like this intellectual, like uh, learning environment uh, combined with like wine tasting, like high end oh. wine tasting. That was what, you know, that was what the experience was like, which I think is like, man, it's such a, such a great experience. You know, oh, thank I think you. I can see why you're attracting um, a clientele of people who are really into learning and just having that whole experience. So, right. I noticed that um, just from following you online that um, probably prior to COVID, I'm not sure if now, but um, that you were doing a lot of public speaking and educating. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and so, and so what kind of, what kind of um, groups are you doing that for? So um, I've done um, groups for, um, I work with a nurse over in, she lives Seal Beach um, mm-hmm. over at Leisure World. Mm-hmm. And so she does a course at Cal State Long Beach. Um, she teaches called um, Healthy Not High. Oh, and okay. um, so she asked me to come in and do, um, you know, do a, do a talk every semester where I'm going in to just have you understand, like, maybe what the experience is like coming into the store. These are the kind of products mm-hmm. we carry and this is what to expect. Um, and then I've also done, um, you know, different courses on CBD or the cannabinoids or terpenes. Um, I've been working on this large project during COVID um, just to uh, train our own staff um, to onboard them and to have, help them understand what the endocannabinoid system is, what the mm-hmm. cannabinoids are in cannabis, the terpenes, and what is the therapeutic value? What is science showing thus far, you know? because there is quite a bit of science out there. They might argue that it's not necessarily in the United States, but it is elsewhere in places like Israel and Spain and the UK. Typically at the dispensary, Monday through Friday from Mm -hmm. 10 to five. So I'm here to meet with clients. We have a consultation tab on our website, cannabisworks.com. If you wanna schedule a private consultation either with me or with our um, senior outreach director, Alicia. Um, so we're, we're there to sit down with you. If you have you know, questions, if you're taking medication that you're, you're wondering if it has an interaction even with the, the, um, the products. Mm-hmm. So we're here to help guide you to understand, um, to you know, ask any question. We've been studying this plant for so many years. We have a great resource list of doctors and nurses that we work with. If you have a more complicated medical condition, we definitely refer you to that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I, we'd welcome, we welcome you um, to come. Please stop by. Um, first time in, you get 20% off your total order. We try to help offset those taxes yeah. based on that first visit. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and we're offering delivery, too, within a 15-mile radius of the store if anyone's interested. Just call in. Mm. 
Yeah. That's so amazing. And I really appreciate you kind of going over all of this. I know just from the different times that you and I have been at, you know, friends parties or whatever, and we've sat and talked, I know how passionate and interested you are about this whole subject. And I think that's so cool because it's something that's really helping people. Oh, you know, and that's why I do it. I am yeah. here. To, I am here to help. I, I truly um, enjoy seeing the, the, the positive outcomes that I've seen. It's just, it's incredible. It keeps yeah, me definitely. going. Cool. Well, thank you so much for talking to me, lady. You're welcome. Thank you for I having really me. I really appreciate it.